Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. very first Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk will go to our pastor, Pastor Chris McRae. Here is his name. Do you see a Revolutionary War pastor carrying a Bible? Black Robe Regiment. And on this side is the line of Judah and the cross. And it says 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 through 5. Preach the word in season and out. Pastor Chris, please come and accept your tomahawk. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And now I am joined by Jack Posobiec, he is the senior editor of Human Events, a political news and analyst outlet, analysis outlet founded in 1944, one of our oldest. Jack served as a Washington, D.C. correspondent at OAN and is a veteran intelligence officer of <clears throat> United States Navy, anchors away, with multiple deployments, including Guantanamo Bay, place I've been to, and also East Asia. He got to see all the great, nice places. But us Army guys, we only saw the desert and, and what have you. So, Jack, thanks so much for joining us here at the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. How are you? Well, I appreciate that, Colonel. And I should, I should mention, by the way, that um, you know when I was served at Guantanamo Bay, that I was actually attached to a National Guard unit. So I was an individual augmentee from my, my Navy unit as an intel guy yeah. down to, uh, and this is prior when I was enlisted, down to Guantanamo. So I was there uh, with, with, with my big green, uh, all my big green boys <laughs> and girls, my friends over there, and uh, actually was able to earn, I think, I don't know how many people in the Navy have this, but I've got um, an Army Achievement Medal out of that. So well, some people, cool. so when they see my ribbon rack, they say, hey, I thought you were a Navy officer. What are you doing with that Army Medal there? I said, well, well at, at least that. you were there. It still was beachfront property, something that you don't see very often in the United Absolutely. States Army. <laughs> and, you know, I'm very blessed in that, you know, you see here on my uh, call, I have the Navy Marine Corps parachutes insignia. Uh, I had three years uh, selected to do an exchange with the Marines down at Camp Lejeune. And so I was able to earn my uh, Navy Marine Corps gold wings. So I love uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's all about. We can joke each other and everything like that. But when it comes to the fight for liberty and freedom, we're all on the same team, Team America. Of course. Of course. So, Jack, I, I just want to, to start off. Thank you 
for resuscitating human events. Like I said, one of the oldest, maybe the oldest conservative media outlets out there. So what was the inspiration for you to go in and take over human events? And what is kind of like your direction? What's your vision for human events right now? Well, thank you, Colonel. I really appreciate that. And, and I, I, of course, it's an absolute honor to be on the podcast here with you. You know, when I look at human events as as a property and as something that, you know, even when I was first getting into um, conservative media and listening to it, you know, just as a fan, as, as somebody who was going to school and, you know, we'd listen to listen to Rush during my lunch breaks, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And Rush would always read from human events and other yes. sources as well. But I really liked what human events had as a brand. And then somewhere along the line, and you saw this with across media, really, that a lot of the legacy media outlets that were print-based, uh, magazines, newspapers, they didn't really make the jump to digital. And so mm-hmm. there were a lot of these properties out there that have huge archives, huge names, huge um, reputations, but for one reason or another had never quite made it into the digital age. And so when myself and not just me but also a group of people at the time were looking at human events as a property we realized that you know here's something that's got incredible name id incredible backstory great legacy right people know of it as the uh sort of ronald reagan's favorite paper Mm -hmm. and so the the joke the story that we were told right we get told this again and again and we actually tracked down we did an interview um with uh some of the original editors of human events some of the guys were still around you know and they told us that that it was sort of in the Reagan White House because he had remember he had Bush as the vice president, Bush mm-hmm. senior, and Reagan's the president. That that the sort of the Bush team that was in there, they didn't want Reagan reading Human Events. They said, no, no, you can't read that rag. That's that's the grassrootsy. That's the conservative. What we you you might call that the Tea Party or populist, you know, kind of wing of the party mm-hmm. today. He said, don't be reading that. But Reagan would always look at me and say, well, I, I need my Human Events. It's 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 that time of the week. I need it. And so he would always like we would people would have to sneak it into the Oval Office there. And I said, man, that's that's not such a great story and also a connection line between the conservative movement. And we've seen so many times that the establishment will move to kind of push, you know, the the movement conservatives, whether mm-hmm. you be pro-life, whether you be uh, pro-national security, um, push those kind of conservatives out in favor of sort of your your establishment conservative types. And we see that same dynamic still playing out today. But he, we needed to put human events back into the mix. And so we realized that there was a huge also vacancy on the right for a to position an online commentary forum where it's you are getting that nationalist, populist, new right message because you saw people – a lot of these guys in in 16, you know, they made the wrong call. They came out against mm-hmm. Trump. They came out against the movement. They didn't like the way things were going. They said, this guy's going to lose. Uh, he's never going to give us Supreme Court justices. He'll be a liberal. And, you know, we know what the history is. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're unabashed that we are the home of the new right, which is also sort of tongue in cheek because, you know, as you said, the, the outlet's been around since 1944. <laughs> There's nothing not yeah. much new about it. Right. But we're injecting some of these new ideas, which are actually old ideas, right? But we're also putting it into the digital space. So I've got a daily podcast where I just do 25 minutes. Actually, you would you would you would appreciate this. It's basically a commander's update brief, right? Awesome. 25 minutes a day, boom, boom, yeah. boom. The hot stories, a little bit of analysis. Same thing that, that they train me to do in military intelligence, mm-hmm. right? 
you know, here's what's important, sir. Here's what's on the horizon here, you know, situation, action, outcome, boom, done, move on to the next. And then we just do that. So we get a lot of those, you know, sort of executives, a lot of people in Congress will listen to it because they look, you know, they have have time to watch a lot of different things. And then we're also moving back into the commentary section. So, you know, Colonel, we'd love to have you, by the way, if you're interested in uh, in writing some op-eds, if you if if you have any opinions that you'd be interested to share. (laughs) You know, I'm a pretty milquetoast guy. I don't have pretty, pretty milquetoast guy. I don't have any positions on anything. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Ronald Reagan because Reagan Mm -hmm. had that that three point of conservatism. It was fiscal conservatism, national security, and social conservatism. That's right. And it's interesting because you're right. So often we have heard, you know, people in the GOP establishment saying, yeah, you know, we don't want to talk about that social conservatism stuff. We're not going to win with that. And now all of a sudden we have a constitutionally based Supreme Court. And look at the decisions that they have come out with. Yes. It's not a decision saying we hate abortion. It's a decision saying this is where it belongs. This is where a decision should be. And it is getting back to understanding the Constitution and the right roles, responsibilities, purviews, and jurisdictions of the federal government. It's, it's about reestablishing federalism. And so I think that that's a great thing. And so how does human events look at some of these recent decisions and, and get that ideal back out there? The, the 10th Amendment, all of those powers not uh, designated or delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. Because I think right. that's where we need the education. Right. And that's your and that's your 10th Amendment. And that's you know, I've even had people I've even had people on the right reach out to me and say, can you tell me if uh, if the Roe v. Wade decision has exceptions for uh, the life of the mother or the uh, provisions for uh, encopic pregnancies, et cetera, this. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, Th- that's not what's been done at all. Right. The Roe v. Wade decision was a decision that took this contentious ideal. And this contentious issue out of the hands of the voters and said, you cannot. Right? We're going to put a line in the sand that you're not allowed to cross, regardless of what state you are. And we're going to protect it as if it were a constitutional right along the lines of freedom of speech, freedom of religion or uh, the Second Amendment. For example, you cannot ban right a church in the United States. It's, it's impossible. You mm-hmm. cannot do this under the Constitution. And it would sound crazy to suggest that you could. But something like abortion, it is not it is simply not written. And and really, the way we look at this is that that decision was sort of the the pinnacle of the the 60s counterculture, the sexual revolution mm-hmm. coming up through the 70s, intertwined with the feminist movement, where they essentially whole cloth, whole cloth created a constitutional right, took the decision out of the hands of the people took it out of the hands of the voters, took it out of the hands of the states and said, you're not even allowed to decide whether or not you should have a say in this. And so when I hear people saying this is a, you know, anti-democracy, I say, no, it's, it's the exact opposite of that, because mm-hmm. this was the system that our, our founders understood would make the most sense is that when you have the power localized as much as possible, as close to the people as possible, then you get the best decisions. That's actually what the Supreme Court said, and that's what they did. And I agree with you. I picked up what you were saying there, that we have a court now really, you know, Thomas is the senior, uh, the senior member. And I think with him there and being able to have majorities now in so many of these questions, Mm -hmm. if you bring up other cases or other laws and look at different things that have been passed by these activist courts since the 1970s, right, Thomas is essentially saying, 
we will revisit these things. And if yes. there are things that are going on that countermand our constitution, that we will fight back against them. And that's where human events comes down on it, is that we want to follow the system the way it was set up not the system the way that it was altered in the 1960s -hmm. where you have these bureaucrats and civil servants and academia kind of running the government and the politicians are there just like some kind of window dressing. Yeah, you're absolutely right because, you know, we don't have a court institution. We have a constitution. That's right. And, you know, you look at that uh, decision about the EPA. You cannot, as a bureaucrat, just come up and decide that you have the power to implement rules and regula- regulations against the people, against businesses, based upon an ideological agenda. So no. I, I see this is, it, yeah, it's crazy. But the thing is that we have not had that voice of conservatism out there uh, in the media to, to challenge these things. And now we do have a constitutional court. And so that's where you find, you know, human events and You know, we just were talking off camera about I believe that the left sees a three branches of rule, the media, academia and the courts. And for whatever reason, we as conservatives have shied away from that. And now we're starting to I mean, they're concerned about losing the Supreme Court. Now they want to pack it. And now we're starting to see you and many other young conservatives. I just got finished talking with Josh Hammer. I'm sure you know him very well. Oh, good friend. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you guys, great. you guys are the vanguard. I, I told him it's kind of like a beachhead. You guys are landing on the beach and you're going to expand this thing in a completely different direction because the old ways aren't working anymore. And, and I think you would agree with that. Well, I would agree. And I, I, obviously there's, you know, with with people like Rush, like yourself, like so many others that have that have laid down this path for us, that have really done so much of the early groundwork of explaining to people the issues in our system, the corruption that exists out there, the fact that we've gotten so far away from first principles, so far away from the system that our founders gave us. We just had the 4th of July, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is a day where, you know, we're told that we're not even supposed to celebrate our country anymore, that, mm-hmm. you're, you know, their celebrities are telling people to wear black because of America is, is this evil country. It was always, you know, evil from the start. And we know what this is about. This is their project. And they've been working on this for 100 years at this point to unravel what our founders did, the miracle that the founding fathers instituted. You can you can say July 4th, 1776. And how amazing is it that America has a birthday, right? Not every country mm-hmm. has a birthday like that that we can you can point to and say, yeah, that's the day. And so that's the point where we started a new country, right? We had a lot of problems that we had to deal with from the old country. We worked on it. We're still working on it in some cases. But we put together this system that was that that stands alone among the countries of the world, stands alone. And stands head and shoulders above them. And you need to combat the false propaganda so much that's going on in our schools. In many cases now that's going on in the workplace, that's going Mm -hmm. on in corporations. The financial world is seeing a lot of this, Um, you know, and that's a whole obviously separate topic. But um, I should say uh, I can't reveal yet, but we have uh, an interesting op-ed that's been written by somebody who I think a lot of people know. That's been fighting that fight on the front lines. And it's the first time that I will say this, that she has been published anywhere. And so uh, I think when that one comes out, a lot of people are going to like to hear, to see it. So we're trying to really be a place where we are the we're the front page of the new right. 
We're the new, yeah. we're the home of the new right, where the new right lives. We will be there. If you're fighting the fight, whatever one of these beachheads it is, you know, we're the place to get a come in. You can get a great commentary on it. You can learn, right? We'll do the analysis. We'll be breaking news as well. And uh, we've also joined into, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this one as well. They're a newer blog, but they're called the Post Millennial. Have you heard of Post Millennial? I have. Absolutely. Well, so Human Events actually purchased the Post Millennial because right. we realized that what they were doing so great was breaking news, moving at the speed of Twitter, which is really, really the speed of lightning, right? Mm-hmm. The speed of fireworks that they were doing so well. And that was a core competency that human events didn't have because human events is known more for long form opinion pieces. Now we're putting those two brands together. We're not going to change the name of them or anything, mm-hmm. but so it expands our bench, expands our team, and then it gives us that breaking news wing where we're breaking the news on one end. And then we've got the commentary and the opinion and the analysis on the human event side. Well, I think that's great because y- you can look across the spectrum of media outlets and you will find truth in some places and you will find I don't know what it is in some other places. Uh, and I think that's undermining our constitutional republic because it is purposeful and intentional. I give you a great case in point when you have the secretary of Homeland Security on a media outlet and he's sitting there saying we're doing good at the border, uh, you know. Maybe, yeah, because you want to have this flooding of people coming across. But we need to have those checks and balances in the the media. And I believe in the freedom of the press, but I don't want to see an ideological press. I want to see a press that tells the truth to the American people. We don't have that. Another thing that I think you and I can share concerns about army, soldier, sailor, what we see happening in our military is very disconcerting. And we need to have more people that are writing and talking about it. Because when you all of a sudden have the service chiefs that are going out there and saying, we need you all to talk to young people about the military because they're not joining. We're not hitting our recruitment goals. Well, if you're talking cultural Marxism in the military, there's not a whole lot of people that want to be there. So what will human events do to kind of expose some of the issues? Because we took a note to the Constitution and military. I don't see many people at the senior level leadership in the military honoring that oath to the Constitution. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig, and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Well, when when it comes to the military, you know, something that hits me very close to home when I look at it from from the Navy side also was the USS Bonhomme Richard and the fact that we had a a dock landing ship, which is essentially, it's it's kind of, it's not quite an aircraft carrier, but maybe 80% I've been of the on way it. to an Oh, you're I on it? I was on it. Yeah, I was on it uh, when I was wow. assigned with the Marines out there on the West Coast. Beautiful ship. Oh, so that's what you did your, your, when you're on West Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, right, so they would have been through Lejeune and, and San Diego, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. you have a ship that, and if people don't know the story, it's it, it comes down to this, that this ship was docked to port. Uh, it was undergoing refits, repairs, upgrades, you know, all the all the wonderful things that we do when we're in port. 
and a fire broke out. You know, they, they have charged someone with arson, a young, um, it was an E1 uh, sailor um, with this. We're not entirely sure if it was him, though. That case is still pending. So, But the point is that being able to fight the fire on a ship, right? When you're, when you're out at sea, there's no 911, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. So when the fire breaks out at ship, this is something that sailors have known how to do for thousands of years, mm-hmm. actually thousands of years, fighting fires at sea. And so we've always set this up. And we know because if you're a sailor, you know, fire will destroy you and everything you love. That's your that's it. That's the end. Full stop. Colonel, there was a ship that was on fire on the pier and the sailors on board weren't able to put out the fire. And the Navy determined that it was due to a lack of training and a lack of understanding how to use the fire suppression systems on board the ship when that fire broke out. And so when I see a situation like that, and then I look at the CCP and I look at how the CCP has their eyes set on Taiwan, yes. on those semiconductors, on the on the international shipping lanes that are just off of China or just off of Taiwan in the South China Sea. Um, I look at a Navy where I say, look, if you want to deter China from doing any of these things, right, then the way you need to do that is fix the Navy the same way that if you want to deter aggression in Europe the Middle East, wherever, right? You fix the army so you create a credible deterrence threat so that no one will even think of raising the, you know, raising their finger to cross any of those lines. No one would even dream of doing that. And that was, to go back to Reagan, that was the 600-ship Navy yes. of Ronald Reagan's United States Navy. Um, and the same idea, you know, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick that goes all the way back to Teddy Roosevelt. We've lost that somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And so it's understanding that the job of the military, first and foremost, and far be it for uh, for a junior lieutenant to to, uh, to say this to a colonel, oh, but stop. is to is is to hurt people, break stuff, and protect the people back home. Right? That's you're the job absolutely of the right. Peace through strength, and ev- everything else is everything else is just nice to have. Right? But if you can't accomplish those missions from from day one, from moment one, when I was in, uh, they called it PACOM at the time, but the mm-hmm. the slogan was "Ready to fight tonight." And if I had to go to the you know the JCS right now, I'd have to say, sirs, we, we are not ready to fight tonight. We're not ready. And I think it goes to, and you, you look at the Osprey incidents that we've had, mm-hmm. the MB-22s, it, it feels like once a month we're having one of these things fall out of the skies and you're seeing more and more of this. And people are being killed. Marines are being killed in those accidents. And so this is, it's a service-wide problem. It's an armed forces-wide problem. And so human events... We've got whistleblowers in many of the services. People that I served with are reaching out to me on a regular basis, telling me they said the retention's bad because these vaccine mandates were going completely mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, actually, one thing that I do appreciate that President Trump said, I haven't heard any other politicians say this, by the way. But President Trump said that if he becomes president again, that he will take those uh, those troops that were kicked out over the vaccine mandate and he will reinstate them if they want to go back in at the exact same rank and with yes. back pay. And with back pay. So that's just like it's just from a political perspective. Right. Even if you're not a Trump supporter, you have to admit that's a pretty good political statement to make. Right. <laughs> you know? No, it's a fantastic statement because nobody else in, in the entire country has even thought to say this. Well, that order that Joe Biden gave, which was in the middle of the debacle in Afghanistan, 
right. that we were going to have mandated vaccines. That order for the military was unethical, it's immoral, it's uh, illegal, and no one should have to follow orders that are along those lines to tell people they have to take an experimental drug. Now, you and I deployed to places. We got it. And we had to take whatever vaccines to make sure we were protected. Vaccine alley. That vaccine alley. But a, a, a virus that has a 99.95% recovery rate, that is not a detriment to our United States military. As a matter of fact, we have seen more problems from the vaccine in the military with a lot of our young people with the heart issues and what have you. So I am so happy that you guys are bringing that out because we can't trust this media to talk about any of those things. Uh, and that affects our national security. You're right. China, Iran, North Korea, the Islamic jihadists who are we're seeing a resurgence between Al Qaeda and ISIS or whatever. So I'm glad that human events will continue to, to honor that pillar of Ronald Reagan of national security conservatism. And Colonel, so if I could, yeah, if go. I could add one thing about our philosophy in this is that we, we don't view ourselves as the, the owners of human events. We view ourselves as the stewards of human events. We didn't start right. this and we won't be the ones who end it either. You know, we, we fully intend that at some point, you know, we will be the, uh, the ones passing the baton along and it's yeah. just our job right now to manage it to steward it and then restore it to its former glory and then being able to hand it off to people that we find who will also take upon that same mantle of responsibility. That's that's how we view everything when we when we put the human events name on it. Well, that's great. And I want everyone to understand, since we just celebrated our Independence Day, that the title of your media outlet comes from the very opening sentence of the Declaration of Independence, when in the course of human events. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are right now. So, Jack, where can people follow you and follow Human Events? And how can they uh, make sure they get a subscription uh, to your uh, outlet? Well, thank you so much, Colonel. Uh, you can follow. So my, my daily podcast, is hum, we call it Human Events Daily. It's sort of the flagship podcast. It's out every, every morning, 25 minutes or less. I call it for podcast for people who don't like podcasts or don't have time for podcasts. Then also, of course, humanevents.com. And then we'll also be, we'll have a huge setup um, down at the Turning Point Student Action Summit coming up this uh, this summer, the end, I think two weeks actually, yeah, because today's mm-hmm. the 5th, so it starts 22nd to 24th, we'll have President Trump, we'll have Governor DeSantis, the only event this summer that's actually got both of them on the same stage. You can check that out, tpusa.com slash sass, and if you see us, you know, come say hi. That's awesome, and I want to thank you again for your service in the United States Navy, and we need more young men and women who have been willing to make the last full measure devotion and take that oath to the Constitution to be in these critical leadership positions for conservatism in the United States of America. So, Jack, thank you so much, and call upon me anytime. I'm ready to lock shields with you in this fight. All right. God bless, Colonel. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on. Awesome. Have a great night. You too. Hey, thanks, everyone, for taking the time to tune into the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. We got a problem with a propagandized media in the United States of America. Like I said, I support the freedom of the press, but I want the press to report the truth to the American people, not to try to manipulate them and not become that Pravda-like press. We know what's going on on our border. It's not going well, and they need to be called out on that. We know the reason why we have the high gasoline prices need to be called out and held accountable. We know what is happening with our national security and our foreign policy. We know that we have 
gone into an economic recession. And so we need to make sure that we have those voices out there. And I'm so proud that we have those young voices in very critical positions that can get that message out to the people, and especially to the young people. Because we cannot be the first generation that passes on less to subsequent generations, but we're on the cusp of seeing that happen in the United States of America. Thanks so much to Jack Prasobiec for providing his insights and thoughts and perspectives as the head of human events. Tune in to his podcast and his commander's update brief, as you heard, because every single day you need to know what prepares for you to go out there and be a steadfast and loyal patriot for the United States of America. Remember that our mission here at the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast is to make sure you're better informed, better educated, so that you can be better activated. And you can go out and you can challenge the progressive socialist Marxist left on all of these issues. And when they start to yell and scream and froth at the mouth, you're winning the debate. Don't retract. Don't retreat. But press on. Because we can only win if we're on offense. If you like the podcast, please hit that like button and share it with others because we want to make sure that we can get this word out all across the United States of America. Thanks so very much to executive producer Lisa, producer Chad, all the staff members of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast, and to my dear friend CW3 Ryan Weaver for our theme music. We'll see you next week on the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Before they burn it down